Good morning. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to UCIRadio.com. This is the menu with Belize and Henry. Um, welcome to our new season, our third season of the menu. Henry, would you like to do the honors and explain <laughs> our audience what our show is about? Sure. It's been a little bit. I might be a little <laughs> rusty. Um, the menu is a radio show about all things food, all things food in L.A., writing, talking, eating, um, the food industry, um, everything you could want to know about food. We have it right here on the menu. That was a great introduction. <laughs> I like the new, um, new words. Little tagline. Yeah, new lines that you <laughs> added here and there. Um, yeah, and today we have a lot to talk about. While we were on a break, me and Henry were traveling. Mostly Henry was traveling around Europe, so we have um, a little bit to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about an important topic. Um, which is sexual assault in kitchens and in the food industry. And then, lastly, we're going to talk about this lovely pop-up dinner that we went to at Burger Lords last Monday. So let's get, let's, let's get into it, Henry. How was your summer? Uh, I had a great summer. Um, it was a summer full of traveling, like, like you said. Um, I started in London, um, where, you know, you hear... You hear the, the stuff about London, <laughs> about London food. Um, and so we tried a lot of the traditional stuff. We had English breakfast, um, which was good, but super. It's If you don't know, English breakfast is like lots of meat and beans and toast, and it's very hearty and heavy. Um, but it's tasty. It's like, I'm sure it's a great hangover breakfast. Oh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we were able to find some gems in London. We went to Sketch. Um, tea room, which is like a fancy schmancy tea room um, with all sorts of little mm, sandwiches and desserts and funky teas and everything's pink. It was very fun. Um, and then we went to an all-you-can, um, oh, no, 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 it's called for, uh, Head Nose-to-Tail, Nose-to-Tail Cooking Restaurant. So it's like the English are, do you know what Nose-to-Tail is? No. So the English are in love with their meat and basically the concept was to use every part of the animal right nose to tail so they have kidney stuff and all sorts of weird parts and it kind of freaked us out but um um, it was worth the try because it was authentic I guess Uh, then we went to Paris where I had a very a couple of very very lovely tasting course meals some fancy schmancy um 10 course meals um like four little introductory courses and then a few main courses and then a few desserts, um, which were super lovely. Um, after that, went to Italy and had a lot of great pasta, of course, a lot of great um, pizza. In Rome, they do the uh, rectangular pizza where they cut it with the scissors. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Have you had that? It's like focaccia almost, but like with shit uh, on top. No, I don't think I've had that. It's I don't really remember good. It's really good. They put like squash blossoms and veggies and mm. and stuff like that on top too. Um, and then also some great seafood in Italy. Um, I went to a little island and it was a lot of great 
fish and weird fish pasta stuff, but it was <laughs> great. Um, and then fi- uh, well, making our way up, I went to Berlin um, and had the best best Turkish food there. It was great. I already told Beliz this. <laughs> um, a lot of different sort of like Turkish sandwiches and uh, doner and kofta and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So that was really, really great. Um, their famous dish is the currywurst, which is sounds good, but it's literally a hot dog with like ketchup smothered all over it and a little <laughs> bit of of curry powder, and that was not did not live up to the hype. Um, and then went to Amsterdam and had um, some good fries. They have good fries there, yes. Dutch fries, and um, had this amazing uh, herring sandwich. There's like little shacks around, and they have. Like um, salted herring. It's almost like they're pickled herring. Sounds disgusting, I know. It does. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you look at it, it looks pretty gross. It's like looks like the slimy little worm fish, but the sandwich was amazing. It was deli- and like um like some of the it was like some of the best sushi on a bread roll. <laughs> Which sounds weird, but um, <laughs> it was delicious. And um, there's a lot more, of course. But um, you can ask me later if you want specific, because <laughs> I could go on forever. But Liz, how was your summer, and how was your food experience this summer? Um, I had great food experiences this summer. Um, first off, beginning of summer, I went to France. I was first in Paris, and then I went to Deauville, which is in the Normandy region in France. And they're um, famous for their seafood oysters and whatnot and I'm vegan so I don't eat those things Uh, but I went there with my family and none of my family members are vegan so they told me they enjoyed it and that's why I feel confident enough to recommend um, David as a gourmet city but being vegan in France was honestly a little hard It wasn't hard to find food because, first of all, you can eat bread, french fries, and green beans. The hard part was that I had to eat those things every single day for lunch and dinner. And after a while, it gets boring and I started to feel bloated. (laughs) Um, But I did enjoy the taste of all of these things and I love eating bread and french fries anyway <laughs> so i can't really complain and i what i realized actually is that paris is a great city for vegans but because they have a lot of vegan restaurants you can find vegan croissants you can go to a grocery shop and find vegan options but when you go to a restaurant it's kind of hard to find vegan options like you have to specifically go to a vegan restaurant or just eat vegetables or like mm-hmm. a salad, like a tomato salad or bread, um, because they don't they don't really know how to um, cater to vegans. Yeah, especially like um, traditional French uh, cafes and bistros. It's like they don't know how to do it. It's mm-hmm. all you know. You have like a slab of fowl, some sort of bird, or some sort of bird usually yeah, yeah. Um, um, sometimes fish and it's and then that's like that's the centerpiece and that seems like it's everywhere and then the salads are pretty uh, at least my experience was the salads are not as inventive as and fun and creative as here um, mm-hmm. or a lot of other places yeah I agree but 
um, I still enjoyed what I had. So, like I said, I can't really complain. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't fair, complain so. when I'm traveling and I'm going to Paris and Deville and I have that chance, you know? Yeah. Um, that's just something to keep in mind if you're vegan and traveling. Sometimes you're not going to be able to find um, everything that you want to eat, but it's still possible to eat good. Mm-hmm. I guess also be aware that um, eating out in like, those sort of French restaurants all the time is you're going to get sick of it pretty fast. At least Mm -hmm. I did. (laughs) It's very, very filling. It's like, you know, I had a lot of duck and potatoes (laughs) and that just gets, got old after like the second time and like it's really heavy. And so, you know, you got to look out for those vegan restaurants or, or even go, go to the store yourself and have a picnic, right? Mm -hmm. You can choose your own light meal and it, that's really really great option yeah uh and then another part of my summer that i want to talk about is my best friend rio came to istanbul and i um i showed her around for 10 days which meant i also fed her delicious turkish food for 10 days and i because it was my first time that i actually showed someone around and hosted someone it was really fun for me to show her like the culinary wonders of Turkish um, cuisine because I, be- like I said, because I'm vegan, I kind of have, and I'm a local, so I kind of have certain places that I go all the time. Um, I don't always go to like traditional Turkish restaurants, but because Rio was there, I went to um, traditional Turkish um, Meza restaurants and fish restaurants and Turkish breakfast places. And it just confirmed how much I love Turkish food and um, how much I love showing people my culture. Um, and she loved the meat dishes that we have in Turkey. And if you ask her, she would tell you more about her favorite foods <laughs> and all that. Um but yeah, it was a great experience for me as well. Um, but yeah. So um, we might have talked about it on the show, but what sort of vegan options do you um, do you have have in Turkey? Like, um, how how do you turn like a, a very? I mean, I don't. I shouldn't assume, but how do you turn the meat and you know cheese heavy options into um, you know vegan food? Like, what do, what do you enjoy most? Well, um, so traditional fish and meat restaurants will always have vegetables as starters in form of mezes, which is what we call like, it's kind of like Spanish tapas Mm. where you have smaller dish to the middle where all of you, uh, all of the people who are eating share. And those mezes are usually vegan because they're made with beans or they're just like beans with olive oils or salads and... Um, red pepper dips or eggplants. It's just a lot of vegetables involved. So it's really easy for me to skip the main dish, which is either fish or meat. Or sometimes I just ask them to like grill some vegetables for me, which they do happily. It's very, Turkish people are very adaptable to situations like that because I... One thing that I really like about my country is that we're very practical people. So w- you could just, you know, 
they can just pull out some vegetables for me real quick usually. And then this other restaurant that my parents love a lot, which is a very small like neighborhood restaurant, they actually made me um, uh, a vegan um, sort of lahmacun and which is like vegan pizza, a uh, Turkish pizza um, with like minced beef usually. But they and made cheese it as well. No, no cheese. no cheese. Just means beef and like spices, and you put lettuce and lemon on top and eat it. Um, they made it vegan for me, and they also turned a lot of other options vegan. There are also now a lot of um, vegan dinners, you know, Great. around. Sweet. So it's it's pretty easy, I would say, to be vegan. Sometimes I can't find like vegan donuts, you know, right. because that's not popular yet, but uh, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can eat. You know, I don't have to eat donuts. <laughs> um, here's Henry's hot take um, that comes off of that point. Um, French cuisine, like, um, was the a crux of like fine dining, right? And 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 sophisticated food, right, for, like, the past 50 years mm-hmm. or whatever, 100 years, I don't know, right, supposedly the French, you know, created fine dining and how you cook, right, but um, in my opinion, it it's shifting, and it should shift towards tapas or meze, meze, mm-hmm. small plates, shareable small plates, and it is, it's totally, we've seen yeah. that shift, um, but, you know, the Mediterranean or surrounding there, um, you know, um, Eastern Europe, you know, Southeastern Europe, um, Near East, it's it's that that sort of style of eating is is going to be the new French French <laughs> cuisine. If you yeah. yeah, I I completely agree, and I'm very excited for that. Um, I just like to shout out our guests in the chat. Thank you for talking with us. Um, keep on sending us messages. Um, we love you. Yes, we do. Um, today we have a serious topic to talk about for our first show of the season. It's something that I've been following for quite some time and I've been seeing especially a lot of recent news about this particular problem in the food industry in Los Angeles. And I just wanted to bring this to the attention of our audience as well. Um, and that is... Um, sexual assault and harassment in restaurant kitchens and in the food industry in general. Um, I read a research um, that was made by Restaurant Opportunities Center United, um, which is a nonprofit organization that advocates for restaurant workers. And it said about 66% of women have experienced inappropriate sexual behavior from their management and roughly 80% of women said they had been harassed by coworkers, and 80% said they had been sexually harassed by customers. And it basically shows that food service industry is the worst offender um, in the number of sexual harassment charges filed, which is a huge problem because we usually think of the enter- entertainment industry as the worst offender with all the Me Too movement um, that is coming out right now. But um, restaurant industry, I feel like it's much more silent 
in that sense, but it still happens and it's kind of like an epidemic. It happens apparently all the time. Um, I'm, especially since it's um, out of you when you're in the kitchen, right? You're mm-hmm. you're not in, you know, you're not on TV. Um, you're not as you're not as out in the media, of course, as the entertainment industry. So yeah, it's absolutely hidden physically from from customers as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't know this, but what I've learned is that if you work for a franchise, it's actually harder to. Um, hard, harder to you know have a case open because California law states that if a corporation doesn't undertake the control of employees' performance, then they are free from responsibility for harassment and discrimination. So the responsibility on, is on the franchise, but if the franchise doesn't have any local offices or you know if there are a lot of bureaucratic blocks, which is, you know, possible because a franchise is big and sometimes international. So it's very hard to like, um, very hard to conduct any legal action, and then the victim is just not heard. So you're saying, um, by franchise, you mean something like McDonald's or Chipotle? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Exactly. So it's harder for workers. Um, who are sexually assaulted or sexually harassed in, in those sort of circumstances to to file a lawsuit and, mm-hmm. and, and get support? Yes, okay. exactly. Um, and one example that happened recently was um, Cafe Stella and um, the owner of Cafe Stella in Silver Lake, Gareth Kantner, um, was accused with a lot of uh, their former employees um, for sexual harassment. And it's, I think this is also an interesting case because um, it shows, because Cafe Stella was around for many, many years, since 1998, I think. And this ha- this just has been going on for such a long time. And... Um, Apparently, the place, the venue that Cafe Stella is in is owned by um, Kantner, and they also own the strip around that venue. So it means that they own Intelligentsia Coffee and a leather goods store in the same area. Also, they own Danette, another restaurant like popular in Echo Park. It just means that these people can own a lot of restaurants and do this for many years and still fly under the radar without anyone noticing. Mm. Yeah. Um, and one um, in this, um, I, I found this article on LAS um, about Cafe Stella, and they actually have an opinion from chef Mary Sue Milliken um, and who has been working in the industry since the late 1970s and her she says it's pretty much endemic it's in all restaurants all kinds of food service because of the intensity of the job there's a lot of pressure but then as a way to kind of cope with all that there's a lot of joking and teasing and it often goes too far 
I think sexual harassment has always been part of that job. What do you think about that? Um, I think that's a, a very, very sad truth. Um, I, I think that it's a very... I can only really speak from my personal experience. I had a year in, in the um, restaurant industry. Uh, of course, I, was, I wasn't I was a target um, of sexual assault and harassment, but I did see it. It's a very sort of macho industry, which is mm-hmm. kind of weird to think about. Um, men um, who work in the kitchen have um, a, a lot of pride, um, and so they think it's their territory and they think it's okay to joke and okay to tease and make uh, uh, sexual assault and, and harassing comments and um, it's not okay but they, they feel like um, it's their territory and it's absolutely not okay um, I'm not sure where it stems um, you know like like how it became this way in this business I also have no answer to that. It's very interesting. Well, um, Milliken mentions the intensity of the job, um, which might be, you know, a part of the reason, but also I think it might be because it's very, it's a very male-oriented industry, like a very male-dominated industry, Mm -hmm. and women have been on the sidelines for most of it. And even though there are 52% of food industry workers are apparently women. Right. But we see always male chefs right. as the stars and um, male restaurateurs. So we don't, I think it's the, um, it's the sexism that kind of, um, you know, exacerbates that. Absolutely. There's a sort of, power you know craze there yeah men who who i mean it's 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 similar in you know every other industry men who in power think they have the right Mm -hmm. to do these things um and so when a chef is in charge they think they they own everybody in in the kitchen and that is something i definitely see um you know, if they think, oh, I'm the chef, I can do whatever I want, I can do whatever I want to you, I can say whatever I want. That's absolutely not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's it, it's totally an epidemic. Um, I think there's a super high turnover rate in mm-hmm. the food industry because of people getting assaulted and harassed. It's also, um, you're in very tight, tight quarters. Men think they can get away with, touching people inappropriately mm-hmm. um it's it's I, I i wonder how we can talk about this more and try to put a stop to it i think it comes down to california law and not just california law but laws around the world that covers restaurant industries um i personally don't have any knowledge about the laws, but I think we should um, dive into more of that and see why there isn't any, um, there aren't any repercussions to these types of behaviors. Um, One of the other examples that I read, which was actually a great article, was Lucas Kahn Peterson of 
LA Times's review of Chateau Anare, um, which is part of Chateau Marmont, and he was talking about how um, both the chef and the owner of Chateau Marmont hotels um, had allegations against them, and um, but he still but and he mentions how they these types of people, chefs and cooks. They can still be in the industry for years,、mm. move from kitchen to kitchen,、yep. restaurant to restaurant, and because they're not, you know, media famous like Mario Batali, when they conduct behavior like this, they don't. They're not going to be.、Um, they're not going to be mentioned, even if they are formally named in a lawsuit. And, and punished. They don't get punished if they. they okay, I leave this restaurant now. I'm just going to go to the next one. Yeah, and.、Um, He mentions how he asked、uh, female chefs, her his friends, if it is still appropriate for him to review the restaurant, which also apparently has really bad food.、Um, <laughs> and he, they told him, "Yes, you should, because it's." He opens the conversation up to the question of why does this guy still get to have a restaurant, and eat, like especially. When the food is bad, why are these people still given jobs? And that was that was the article that I was thinking about when you、mm. mentioned like how can we stop this and why is、right. this still happening? I think it, it so I think it really comes down to visibility, right? A、mm-hmm. chef is a lot of the times like just what you're saying. The the celebrity chefs they can be held accountable because they're on TV.、Mm-hmm. People know their names, and people will. Well,、uh, maybe they won't boycott, but、um, there's more press about them, and so there'll be more repercussions. But somebody that a chef that that、uh, commits sexual harassment or sexual assault,、um, you know, their face and they're they're not as famous. They are in the kitchen. You know, people don't see them; they see the food on their plate. So there's not as much accountability as、mm-hmm. other industries.、Um, also, another thing is that. Uh, let's say somebody commits、um, sexual assault, sexual harassment in a larger corporation.、Um, of course, you know, a ton of the time,、um, it doesn't.、Um, nothing comes. You know, there's no punishment. But restaurants are also、um, usually small,、um, and so there's no one telling them, no one higher up, or no, no, no press telling them, oh, you have to get rid of this person. You know. Yeah, exactly. It's a.、Uh, I think in terms of、um, laws and repercussions and rules, it's. I'm not. I don't want to say it's tricky because I don't see what you know what is tricky about a very important issue like this. But I think there needs to be a better way of.、Um, I guess punishing these people, holding people accountable for yeah, their actions. Yeah, holding people accountable.、Um, but yeah, I, I we just wanted to put this out there and share our findings.、Um, I think、uh, I want to look more into the laws and like what the California state is trying to do, and what also other、uh, places around the world are、mm-hmm. trying to do. Against this, yeah, of course, because you know, sexual harassment and, and sexual assault are illegal, right?、Mm-hmm. But it's all about actually holding people a- accountable for their illegal actions. And like the 
um, um, implementation of these laws. Um, and it's so hard when you can just hop from place to place, you know? Mm-hmm. There needs to be... <laughs> somebody does this, there needs to be a moratorium on them in every restaurant. They should not be able to own a restaurant. Um, but, you know, that comes down to real estate people giving them, you know, a restaurant or or investors, you know. Exactly. It's not up to the public unless people know more about it. I think it's honestly the responsibility of people like us, of um, people like of Eater, LA Times, basically food investigative reporting to shine a light on individuals who commit sexual assault and sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's so rampant, unfortunately, that you can't get everyone, but I think that's really important um, for press. I think that's a one way we can sort of um, try to curb it is to expose expose people right it's sort of been working in me in the mm-hmm. me too area if you expose people hopefully they won't have a job anymore and they won't be able to hurt people um but it's also customers i think it said 80 percent of customer i mean yeah 80 percent of workers are sexually harassed by customers or assaulted yes it that is a huge huge problem female uh wait staff uh in 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 my restaurant were were harassed every night you know it it can be as something as, you know, just like words as a comment mm-hmm. or, you know, they could get grabbed and it's it's absolutely not okay because, and and the customers, there's no repercussion. It's really frustrating. It is, especially when you're serving the customer. Yeah, you and have you a tip. To, you have to, you know, get their business. So they actually have a lot of power over the restaurant and the business you do. Which is, which is, I think the system, um, which makes me sound like a Marxist, but the <laughs> system that is set for restaurants right now is very wrong. Um, Evan Kleinman, I think, was talking about this, if I don't remember, uh, if I remember correctly. And she said that more restaurants are now moving towards um, added tip instead of the customer choosing what type of tip they want to give. So the tip will be automatically added to the bill and the reason for that is so that all um, waiters have one fair tips and also the customers won't have a lot of I guess power mm-hmm. over um, the waiters yeah it's it's that's pretty crazy to think about mm-hmm. that a lot of people you know people are living off Tip money. A lot of people need that, mm-hmm. which gives yeah exactly what you said a lot of power to the customers, and they feel like they can do whatever they want, and it's and it's atrocious. So I think that's a great fix that you mentioned. Yeah, it might work, and we might be seeing it in a lot more restaurants um, in the near future. But it's also up to restaurant owners to, if reported with mm-hmm. sexual has- harassment or assault, to say get get out of my restaurant. Right. That's exactly. another way to. Punish people, yeah. It's not worth the business. Absolutely not. Yes, I think so too. I hope restaurants and restaurant owners also feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is a serious issue in the restaurant business. And as we have more updates and more knowledge, we will keep um, informing our audience about this 
just so that everyone is more aware when they're eating at a restaurant and when they're um, interacting with a waiter or any person who works in the food service. Um, I think it's, this is important to be um, aware of. Yeah, if you're, if you're at a restaurant, be nice to your staff. Do not sexually, <laughs> I mean, that should go without saying, right? Yeah. Assault or harass your staff. Um, if you're working in the restaurant industry, of course, don't do it. But also call out people. If you see people harassing other people, call them out. Call them out. Tell management. Stop them from getting work. Yes. Don't let them do it to other people. And this is our final segment of the day. Um, last Monday, me and Henry went to a pop-up dinner at the Highland Park, Highland Park location uh, of Burger Lords. Um, and what's Burger Lords? Burger Lords is first one of my favorite locations <laughs> and favorite places to eat in Los Angeles. Um, second, they are a burger place that have um, like four burgers on the menu, one cheeseburger, one regular burger, um, and they're vegan options. They also have fries and milkshakes. And it's a very simple and small menu, but they're very delicious. Henry and I went there before. And this time, um, they were doing a collaboration with Them Jeans, which is actually a guy named Jason Stewart. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, don't reveal his secret identity. (laughs) Well, um, yeah, and... Apparently, they were friends for a long time, and Jason does a lot of behind-the-scenes food work. He does a lot of pop-up dinners, and they just wanted to um, do this event together where they would have small um, vegan-tasting menu, and it was a great experience. Um, I loved the way the menu was constructed. I loved how tasty everything was and it was just a great environment to have like a bunch of people in the restaurant and just like share that experience i absolutely agree so um we paid 40 dollars for what what did we get we got five pieces of food and well the fifth was a milkshake but it, it it's you know it's dessert so it, it counts we have six we had, a six? Salad. Oh, we had six, yes, sorry. <laughs> um, so we had a de- deconstructed veggie burger. Um, Which was really good. It was like a salad with barley, right? Yes, it had barley and red onion, parsley, celery, um, a spiced hummus, and eggplants with soy sauce, and also candied cashews. Oh, I didn't even know yeah. that was the um I loved the eggplant. It was they were like I only got a few pieces but they it was enough. It was like really really yummy. Um it it was a very very compelling like meat mm-hmm. substitute for me. It was delicious. Very yeah. very salty. I I like the textures of it. Like barley is a little soft and but also very chewy mm-hmm. and then there's the hummus and then the eggplants and the crunchy cashews. It was it was a really nice salad, and then the hummus on the bottom is just very, like, um, you know, silky, and it brings things together. Mm-hmm. It was, a, it was a different 
experience. I wouldn't. I'm not sure if I would call it a deconstructed no, veggie neither. burger, <laughs> but it was a good salad. I agree. Um, and then we had the cool fries, which are actually vegan poutine. Um, it was basically French fries with a gravy on top, and you know those curds that they use in poutines. It was made with tofu and thyme, um, and I love that. The gravy was delicious. <laughs> gravy was. Dank! Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know how it was really thick and creamy. Of course, vegan. It was it was really good, really really savory. It was delicious. I don't know how they did that without cream or beef stock or something. It was. Awesome. I know. Um, next up was the little katsu, which was basically those those sandwiches are called katsus, right? I think they are katsu. Um, those Japanese sandwiches. No crust, white bread, squares mm -hmm. or triangles or something. And um, instead of chicken, eggs, or meat, it was made with tofu coated with breadcrumbs. And it was delicious. It kind of tasted like chicken. That's what my non-vegan sister said. And I believe her. For me, it just tasted amazing. Um, the sauce on there was phenomenal. Yes. And the tofu, you know, a lot of times when you fry tofu, if you do it at home, it's um, hard to get right. Mm -hmm. The tofu was perfectly firm. I mean, perfectly. Um, great, great consistency and a really, really good fry. I, yeah, I, again, I don't know how they did, did that because it gets soggy sometimes. It was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then we had two little burgers, bite-sized burgers, that, are, that were called Little Bird and Little Smoke. And I liked these burgers, but they weren't my favorites. Mm -hmm. okay. I, I find Burger Lord's tofu nuggets a little too salty and too crumbly. It doesn't really have that a nugget consistency, mm -hmm. um, which is fine. It doesn't have to be. I just am not a huge fan of the texture overall. Um, but though... Those burgers were really flavorful, and I appreciated them, but th I wouldn't go for them uh, for a second round. I agree. Um, they were both very good. I liked the little bird. Um, I liked there was some spice, some kick to it, which was very good. I like the tofu nugget. Um, <laughs> you're right. They're like, I mean, it's a little dry, but I, I don't know. I like it. I like it. The star of the dinner for me, me was too. the milkshake. The milkshake was phenomenal. So good. It was a peach pie shake with made with tahini, and it had real peach chunks in it, and also a pie like pie crust bites crumbs uh, in it as well. And it was just a mix of different type of textures and flavors. Like that tahini was not overpowering, but it just blended with everything so perfectly it was an amazing milkshake and i wish they added that to their regular menu because i would drink that every day me too so good i mean this was like the kicker i mean this is a ton of food i could barely finish um but i, I you know i had to have the milkshake it was there was some nuttiness about it yes. with the tahini there was a, they used multiple types of alternative milks the 
crust was crunchy still uh. somehow. I mean, this was an amazing, amazing shake. And it was vegan, which blew my mind. Um, I've only had one better shake in my life. Maybe even not. Maybe it's on the par. This was, <laughs> this was an amazing, amazing peach pie shake. Um, yeah. Um, I can't get over I'm still thinking about right in, right now. There's like this, the nuttiness of the tahini. I mean, I guess it's a seed, right? Because um, mm-hmm. it's sesame, but it worked so well with the sweetness of the pie. And the crunchiness of the little crumb, it was it was amazing. Really, like one of the best desserts I've had in a long time. Yeah, I actually want to drink that milkshake right now yeah, because we've, we were talking about <laughs> it. Um, but Burger Lords is celebrating their first anniversary at the Highland Park location next Tuesday. And on their Instagram, they said that they were going to have little specials and little surprises for that date. So if you are interested in trying it out and maybe get some exclusive food i would say go over there next tuesday 15th i think of october and which brings me to my last point because we only have three minutes left this is unfortunately henry's last show for a while Mm -hmm. this is true um i got i got a job (laughs) (laughs) exactly capitalism forced me to (laughs) um so i got a job and i have to work um I'm working Monday through Thursday, so unfortunately, seriously, unfortunately, I can't make the show anymore. Um, I love this show. Um, I already said my goodbye last year, so I'm not going to do it again, but um, I'm excited to continue working on auxiliary the menu stuff because now that I have a job I can go out to a lot of restaurants yay, yay. so I'll be on the Instagram um, there's a zine in or was that was that secret it was secret <laughs> but you can you know you, you're Henry you can reveal anything you want <laughs> never mind there's no zine <laughs> um, anyway I'll be working on um, auxiliary efforts um, and maybe in the future if the menu moves to Friday I can come back <laughs> we'll, we'll move it to Friday for spring quarter. Okay. Sounds lovely. Um, yeah, this show is very fun. Um, you are in amazing hands with Belez. She has some amazing guests coming on very soon. Um, and she is super thorough and is an amazing host of this show. So you're in great hands. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Henny is also an amazing host. And we'll continue to contribute um, no matter what. So this is this is not a goodbye. It's a it's Talk an avenue. Yeah, it's an avenue for different types of opportunities. So Oh also my work is right next to Vespertine and Destroyer, which are Jordan Kahn's two restaurants, some of the best in LA. So you know, gonna be there Lucky. all the time. And I'll come to your lunch break. Exactly. And eat at Destroyer. Exactly. But I I'll only be there for the destroyer, like lunch. <laughs> Not to Not see best, you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes. Um, the menu will be back next week. Our times for this season is when Tuesdays, <laughs> 11 a.m. And we'll see you next week. See you I'm next Belize. Time. I'm Henry. And this is the menu on uclradio.com. <laughs>